Whoop, whoop, whoop. So many exciting things to tell you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Number one, my book is now free, a digital version of my book, Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. You can just sign up and get it for free. Number two, come and say hello on Instagram. I'm having fun on Instagram doing exciting reels. Number three, I have four amazing packages for my Positively Healthy program called Magical May exciting exciting if you want to find out more book a call and let's chat and lastly remember radiate and renew four simple habits simple but mighty habits is starting may the 15th so come and sign up for that Welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick. I teach frustrated professional mums who juggle everything to transform their lives, to lose weight and lead a healthy life so they can feel fit and fabulous. On the Fit and Fabulous podcast, we chat about nutrition, healthy living, emotional wellness in a way that you can apply to your life. I'll show you how to stop being frustrated and overwhelmed with healthy living and how to make it easy and fun. You're invited to sign up to my family-friendly meal plan. Three easy meals to help you lose weight that the kids will like too. And my systems video, the simple system that keeps the kids happy and helps you shed the pounds. You can sign up at drorlina.com. That's D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com slash healthy dash family dash meal dash plan. Now on with today's show. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Kerrick. I hope you are feeling fit and fabulous today. Amazing. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about carrying on this conversation about healthy eating for children. So last week, we talked about healthy eating for children and why it's important and thinking about the fact that we have the whole of childhood in order to teach children healthy eating habits, which quite frankly, don't come naturally to children. Today, I want to dive a little bit deeper into introducing new foods to children because I know that this is a super big topic and that a lot of people struggle with this, whether you have picky eaters or regular eaters. Now, before we dive into introducing new foods to children, I want to tell you about my morning. So normally, I cycle to the beach and I go for a swim with my swimming friends and then I cycle back. Today... I cycled with my 10-year-old and he was super excited. He wanted to go for a swim in the sea and bless him, he got really cold because he refused to wear the wetsuit that we have for children. I don't know why. And so we did around 600 meters, which is amazing. We were planning to do a kilometer, but we did 600 meters and then he cycled back. Now, why am I telling you this? Because it is a really good example of children copying adults. And One of my main messages about teaching children healthy eating is that you really have to demonstrate healthy eating and healthy living. And he sees me doing this frequently. I used to be doing it three times a week. Now I've sort of increased and seem to be going every single day. And he wants to join in. He wants to be like his mum. And so that's what we did. We did the same thing. Now, obviously, he goes much more slowly than I do. It was a bit of a rest for me. Bless him. He really pushed himself very hard and did amazingly, amazingly well. But the reason I'm telling you this is that if you eat healthily and if you lead a healthy life, your children will just pick up those habits. It will just be second nature to them. They don't think about, oh my goodness, I'm doing this to lead a healthy life. They're just copying their mum and enjoying themselves. And he had an amazing time cycling and swimming and we will definitely repeat it. It was fabulous. 
Okay, so introducing foods to new to children, new foods to children. And I know that this can be really controversial because or really contentious. What I see with my children is that they won't try something new. And I just think, oh my goodness, if you could just try it, I know that you would like it. And I know that they won't try it because, well, some of them will and some of them won't. I think children can be divided into two types of eaters. You've got your picky eaters at one end, and obviously that's a spectrum. And often picky eaters are very anxious types of children. Um, My seven-year-old, he is very much like this. He likes things exactly the way that he wants them to be. Now, that's something that's secret inside his brain. So it's not something that I necessarily can control for him, which would make life a little bit easier. But he has this expectation. And when things don't turn out like that, he gets very upset and stressed about things. And it may be the food or it may be the bowl. It may be the spoon. It may be something else. It may be that it's just not going the way that he wants it to go. So you've got children like that. And those types of children, they will not eat something. They will go hungry if there isn't something there for them to eat that isn't on the accepted list. And we'll talk more about the accepted list in a minute. Now, that doesn't mean that you always have to give those children their favourite, favourite foods. And it doesn't mean they get to live off cake the whole time, as much as they would like to. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got children who are more adventurous eaters. And some children will just eat and eat. So the kind of person who, you know, when you smell walking past a delicious bakery, you have to stop and have a donut. And seemingly for parents, it feels like these children are much, much easier to feed because they aren't picky and they will basically eat anything that is put in front of them. But actually the danger lies with these children because those children are far more likely to overeat and they're far more likely to not control that that urge to overeat, that as they grow up into adulthood, they're more likely to have problems with eating and and weight and things like that. Whereas the picky eaters, although they drive parents insane, actually, they're more likely to grow up to be healthy eaters. So I know picky eaters can really drive you to the edge of sanity. Believe me, I really do know that. But when you have a method, a tool, a a toolkit of being able to help them. Actually, you can present food in a healthy way for the whole family that everybody can enjoy without pushing them to eat. And I do think without pushing children to eat is really one of the big keys, particularly for the picky eaters. So I see people saying, oh, just we have the one bite rule. We have the one bite rule. And, you know, if I just say you have to try one bite of it. Now, I think this is a controversial topic. And as a blanket policy, I would say don't do the one bite rule. But it obviously depends on your child. You know your child and you know where they fall in that spectrum. If you have a very picky eater and you try the one bite rule, you're going to make them anxious. You're going to make them fearful and you're going to create a lot of stress surrounding food. And that is not going to serve you in the long run. So don't do the one bite rule for them. There are other children. If you've got children who are closer to that other end of the spectrum, who are actually more willing to try things, but they just need a little push, then perhaps the one bite rule will work. But I think the bottom line with the one bite rule is that if you push and push and create um, friction, 
it's going to backfire. And the other thing about the one bite rule is that this whole idea about feeding really comes back to the children want to feel in control of what goes into their mouth. And if you think about it, it makes sense. One of the first things that we learn as children, as babies, is mouthing. You know, when a child takes something in their hand and shoves it in their mouth. And at at that stage, babies can't control their arms and their legs. And one of the first things they learn to control is their hands so they can put things in their mouths. And I think that that control should be something that children maintain. Again, I'm not saying that that means they get to pick and choose what they eat. As adults, we get to choose what is presented to them, what is offered to them, and the quantities that are offered. So, for example, with dessert, with as we call it, pudding, um, you get one portion. You don't get two or three portions. There isn't an option to say, OK, I'm going to eat a tub of ice cream. You can have an appropriate portion of ice cream and then stop. Which also brings me on to limits. Limits are a super thing that we all need to learn. We all need to have internal limits. Okay, so how do we help our children to like new foods? Now, I'm sure you've heard it said that children need to, or adults need to try things 15 times before they learn to like something. So in the first 15 times, they'll say, I don't like something. And what they really and truly mean is, I'm a bit scared of that food. I I don't want to try it now. The problem with the 15 times is if you are going to make that 15 willing times, so you're not going to push them, and you need to make it 15 willing times, because if you create a bad experience over that new food, it's going to be far more than 15 times to get over that hump. So if you're going to say, okay, it's going to take 15 times of my child willingly trying that food to learn whether they actually like it or not, that can be a really long time if they're not going to willingly like it. And the bottom line is as well that children can not like food. So once you have got over that 15 times, they might actually decide that they don't, they genuinely don't like that food which can be a little bit frustrating. But I think one of the things that parents find frustrating is this idea that, well, I know that you would like it. I remember one time when my children were younger and I decided, this was back in the day when we were eating a lot more pasta than we eat now, and I decided I was going to make a new pasta meal. I think because I could see that my husband was getting a little bit fed up of pasta every single day and I wanted to just do something slightly different, albeit still a a different pasta meal. And I used exactly the same ingredients that were accepted to my children, except in a different recipe. And they were young at the time and I presented this as dinner. Oh my goodness, what an absolute disaster. They wouldn't touch it, they hated it, they wouldn't even pick the pasta out. And so then I had two starving, hungry children at dinner time and nothing else to feed them. It was one of my worst um, memories of picky eating. And I think there are a few lessons to learn from that story. Number one is that children think of different foods or the same food in different situations as different foods. So, for example, carrots sliced are different to grated carrots, are different to carrot strips, are different to carrot sticks and coins. And for us as adults, we see the whole thing as carrot. But for them, they see these different entities of carrot. 
Another big lesson that I learned from that was don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't make the new food everything that you have to give them. And also I remember that they were particularly hungry on that day. And I thought, oh, that's great because then they'll eat it because they're hungry. Well, if you have picky eaters, that isn't the case. And actually, as I said earlier, they're more likely to just say, no, I'm not going to eat anything. And then everything is even worse. So one thing I learned was not to introduce new foods when they were starving hungry and to put them really on the side, not make it everything. So there are different ways of doing this. Firstly, if you're having a meal, which is a total meal, a one pot meal, we would say, so something like vegetable pasta, then you can think about having a healthy dessert afterwards. So something like apple crumble where you haven't added lots of sugar. Um, And that means that, okay, if they don't eat dinner, you know that they're going to eat dessert, they're still going to have something. It's not like they're starving. The aim is not to starve our children. We want to give them eating opportunities. Obviously, we want them to enjoy eating, but we also want them to enjoy healthy foods. So those were a couple of things that I took away from that episode. Um, And I think... Another few sort of the big picture messages are variety. The more variety you give your children, the more variety they will open out to. So another way of presenting foods, what we do at lunchtime is we have a kind of picnic style lunch. So, for example, if I were to make a Greek salad, instead of putting all of the Greek salad into one bowl, I would put all the separate different bits into different bowls. And then children can help themselves to the bits that they like. So some of the children might eat the tomatoes, some might eat the lettuce, some might eat the cucumber, some might eat the olives. And so I will obviously have a bit of everything, and I've got a beautiful Greek salad on my plate. They've got little bits of the Greek salad. And presenting food like that is really useful because it gives some of the control back to the children. And they can help themselves to things. You do have to think about, firstly, the different types of macronutrients that they're getting. So you don't want your children to be eating just carbohydrates the whole time. And I would say, you know, free reign of vegetables and then present them with those things. My children will eat carbohydrates and proteins, but you present them with a portion of those things. So they can have a portion of protein and a portion of, you know, white carbohydrates like bread or pasta and then free reign of the vegetables. And I think that is one of the keys, because if you allow them to have lots and lots of the protein and the carbohydrate, then they're not going to eat any of the vegetables. But if you do this in this much more gentle way, actually, they will start helping themselves to vegetables. And of course, you can do things like allow the vegetables to be put out first so that they can start helping themselves to them, and then bring out the the things that you are more limiting, so the proteins and the carbohydrates. And sometimes, you know, my children want to have a second slice of bread. Our slices of bread are very small. And I make them have a pause and say, you can just wait a little bit because they will, you know, run on and eat their their lunch. And I will still be, I don't know, dishing out slices of cheese or something like that. And I say, you can wait. You can help yourselves to some carrot sticks, to some cucumber, whatever vegetables you want. But you can wait for a second portion of bread or or cheese. And in that way, you're giving them more of an opportunity to to help themselves to the healthier bits. So variety is a key. And I always say to people, you know, increase the number of vegetables that you cook, the number and the amount. Vegetables really are the key. And the more vegetables you present, 
the more vegetables your children are going to eat. Now, nothing in our family goes to waste. I, if they're leftover vegetables, I put them in the fridge and we have them cold the next day. Or if they're things like carrot sticks that are left over at lunchtime, then I will chuck them into dinner. But, you know, if I present one vegetable and the children don't like them, then half my children won't eat them. If I present two, then I increase the opportunity of those children trying them. If I present four or five different bits of salad, so, you know, the same, that dissected um, Greek salad, then perhaps they will have two or three different types of vegetables on their plate. So the more you can do, the better. Okay, let's have a little think about the accepted list. And this is really helpful for children who are a little bit more picky. And, you know, most children have quite a lot of things on their accepted list. Picky children have far less things on their accepted list. And quite often, they will consider different things. So different shapes of pasta is considered one thing. You don't put pasta is everything. Pasta is an accepted thing. You can say fusilli is one accepted thing or spaghetti is another accepted thing. And children seem to have this, okay, it's on the accepted list. I will eat this. And what your your aim as your parent to do is really to increase that accepted list, to grow that accepted list out and out. Because anything that is on, so on the other side, you've got the unaccepted list. This is something that I totally dislike, and I really genuinely dislike this. So for example, I have two children who genuinely dislike bananas. They can smell bananas a mile off, and I don't think they will ever, ever learn to like bananas. But in the middle of, I definitely don't like it, and it's accepted, is a whole plethora of other things which are unknown and not quite decided on yet but they get lumped into I don't like it and you can talk about language as well in that when you say I don't like it that helps them decide they don't like it or say things like I don't feel like it I haven't decided whether I like it or not yet or I don't feel like eating it today so what you want to do is grow that accepted list out and out a little bit And there are different ways of doing this. One of the ways is to have similar things. And this is called food chaining. So, for example, if your child likes strawberries, think about something that is also red and fruit-like, raspberries. They're very similar. So try them with something like raspberries. But, you know, it's a big jump from a strawberry to a piece of lettuce. They're totally different. So you want to kind of grow and grow and grow till you can have more things on the accepted list. And when you think about the food that you are presenting your children at lunch or dinner, you always want to make sure there is something on the accepted list. It doesn't have to be a favourite thing, but something. So my very picky seven-year-old, he likes apples. We're in watermelon season now, so he likes watermelon. Um, And chickpeas is another thing that he likes. So quite often... I will make sure he has something like that. So we might end up with a bit of a strange meal. So a stir fry with some chickpeas on the side. But it's all presented as this is the food for everybody. It's not presented as here are chickpeas for Sebastian, although clearly we basically know the chickpeas are for Sebastian. But anybody can have the chickpeas. And Sebastian can also have some of the other food if he wants to have the other food. 
Another great thing to do is food pairing. So you take something that's on the accepted list, ideally this time a favourite thing, and you pair it with something else. And there was an experiment that was done using celery and cream cheese. And they presented the celery to children who liked cream cheese. And those children were more likely to accept the celery because they liked the cream cheese. This is actually a really easy way thing to implement in your kitchen. Because, you know, think about things like cheese that you can grate on top of something. So if you've got a new vegetable, perhaps grate a little bit of cheese on top and you've got broccoli with a bit of cheese on top. If your children like cheese, they're more likely to give it a go and try it out. Um, and you can do the same with with other things as well. So whatever whatever you want. But it doesn't have to be a lot of that food. It can just be a sprinkle of that food. Another one that gets used a lot is tomato ketchup. For that particular reason, if we present it with tomato ketchup, um, children are more likely to eat it. On a side note, I have an amazing recipe for homemade ketchup that does not contain loads and loads of sugar. I just use some tomato sauce, um, you know, in a tin with a little bit of allspice and a little bit of mushroom oil or flavouring and mix it up and my kids love it. I have to say we don't normally have ketchup so they haven't compared it to a ketchup, a branded ketchup that has sugar in it. So if your kids are used to that it might take a little bit of time to adjust. So variety, don't push, think about the accepted list, food pairing and food chaining are all really useful tools that you can use to help your children get to like new foods. And I think the bottom line with introducing new foods is that everybody would like it if your children could learn to like new foods, you know, in a weekend or overnight. But the reality is, is that is not going to happen. And anybody who tells you that is true, I would take with a pinch of salt. I remember once trying to bribe my oldest child to like mushrooms. I decided that he had this idea that it was mushrooms that he didn't like. And there was one time another story that I made some mushroom risotto and this was years and years ago and I didn't tell him that there were mushrooms in he was very young in my mind it clearly had mushrooms in because it was brown risotto and it had bits of mushroom that you could see in it but he being young obviously didn't make that connection and so he had mushroom risotto a bowl of it and then he had seconds and I think he even asked for thirds and on the third bowl he went he realised that there were mushrooms in. And he was like, well, I haven't eaten any mushrooms. And, you know, he clearly had, and neither the taste nor the texture had offended him. But the idea of the mushrooms had offended him. And he would not believe that he had eaten these mushrooms. Another lesson I learned was don't trick your children. I didn't really mean to trick them, but, you know, hiding vegetables is not a great way to um, to convince them to learn their trust. So I allow my children to pick vegetables out of their food. They hate aubergines, aka eggplants, and I just pick them out. Now, they will eat them now when they're mixed up with other things, and they know that they're mixed up, but they've got over that hump. So going back to the story I was telling you about... The mushrooms. So I decided that I could bribe my son to like mushrooms because he didn't really dislike them. They were still in this void of I don't really have them on the accepted or the unaccepted list. And I decided to try out paying him to eat them. So every time he had a mouthful, 
he got, I don't know, five or 10 cents, something like that. And he did eat them 15 times. And he did kind of go, yeah, I like them. I'm going to accept them. And for a very short period of time, he did eat them, but it was very short lived and it wasn't a long term solution. And I just think it's not a good way of teaching our children to genuinely like food as much as it sounds very appealing. I think really and truly all it did was help him confirm that he didn't really and truly like mushrooms, which might be the case. It might be that it is one of those foods that he didn't like, but I wanted to show him that he did like it. So I think this whole idea of introducing new um, new foods to children is something where we have to take a step back and really look at the bigger picture and think about how we're presenting foods and what our long-term goal is. And our long-term goal is that our children grow up to be healthy eating children who love healthy foods without thinking about it. But equally, we have this short-term problem, which is, oh my goodness, it makes it more difficult for me to cook dinner because I want to cook this and I want to cook that, but I know my children won't eat this and they won't eat that. And if I try this new recipe, it will be a disaster. And I think really and truly, we just have to find different ways around those short-term problems. So allowing your children to pick bits out, making sure that you don't present it as the whole dinner or, you know, presenting, you know, sometimes having an adult meal, there's nothing wrong with having food that you know as an adult, the adults will eat, but you don't present it as adult food. You present it as food for everybody. You know, the same story as with the chickpeas. This is for everybody, but I basically know that the adults are going to eat this and the children are going to eat something else but that's fine. It's all presented and they can try some of our food and we can try some of their food so that it's all presented together. And I think once you've done that and you find these little roots that work for you and your family, suddenly the whole pressure comes off. And you look at that long-term picture and think, I am teaching my children to like new foods and they will like new foods, But that doesn't mean I'm going to take them to a sushi restaurant tomorrow. I don't have one of those adventurous children. And it might be that your friend or family, they do have those adventurous children, but that's not your child. And it's about what is best for your child and your family. So just to tell you about my children, my oldest one is coming up for 12. And he was my first very, very picky eater. And he drove me entirely insane. And now, having implemented these kind of systems and and not pushing him, he's actually a very healthy eater. He eats healthily. He is someone who is still quite rigid in the way he thinks. And he has likes and dislikes. He still doesn't like bananas, but he likes a lot more fruit and vegetables and other healthy foods than he did. I am pretty certain that he isn't going to go and start eating sushi tomorrow as opposed to his younger brother, who is much more adventurous and will try all these different things. But in the years from when he was little to where he is now, he has really opened up such that now I don't think, oh my goodness, you've got a very, very narrow diet. I think he has a healthy diet with lots of variety in it. And he doesn't see that as healthy eating. He just eats the food that are presented in the house that he enjoys. And his younger brother, who is a twin, the twins are seven, and she is a very adventurous eater and will eat most things. Strangely, she doesn't like chocolate. That was because when she was little, she had something called a disgust reaction. 
And if you have a disgust reaction, it can put you off for life. So she was unwell. She had a gastroenteritis on the last day of term when she was given lots of chocolate by her nursery. And we drove up to my mother's in France on the last, it was the day before Christmas. And she vomited because she was unwell, but she'd been eating lots of chocolate. So she had this disgust reaction to chocolate. And she tries very hard, bless her, to like chocolate, but really and truly, it's not something that she enjoys as much as other people enjoy. Now, just to distinguish between two things, there is something called a disgust reaction, which will give you that result. And it might be that you will never get over that. And I think that's one of the dangers about pushing children, because if you push them and push them and push them, it might be that you trigger that disgust reaction. There is another issue that I see people and come against, and I myself have had this before, that you have an accepted food that you kind of rely on, and your child eats that accepted food until one day they go, I'm not eating that accepted food, I'm bored of it. That's a slightly different reaction, and it's almost like they get fed up of it. If you leave that for a bit, eventually they will come back to it. So, going back to my twins, she is very adventurous, he is not adventurous, And I have to think about him and what he will eat a lot of the time and make sure there is an acceptable food for him. He is getting much better. So a few years ago, he would only have porridge for breakfast. And now he has porridge with peanuts and raisins, which I know that may sound like, oh, that's nothing. But for him, it is a huge step forwards. And gradually, gradually, he is opening up and trying new things. And he will eat more nuts than just peanuts. He sometimes eats walnuts and some other nuts but he won't eat all of the nuts he's still a bit you know he would pick off bits of hazelnut off an ice cream topping or something like that you know the cornettos that you get but gradually gradually he is improving and one of his favorite things is green apples so my last point is this idea of allowing children to have a sort of go-to food and I think this isn't really recommended And I know a lot of the experts that I have spoken to have really said, you know, make sure that the food is on the table. Um, And if you do that, your children will learn to eat the food that is on the table. I have not implemented that in my family. I have allowed my son to have a go-to food, which isn't a favourite food. He has green apples. When when he says there's nothing on the table that I can eat, even though I've put something out, you know, he's like, I don't want to eat chickpeas today. And I will say to him, OK, you can go and get a green apple and he will get a green apple. So he does have a little bit of a get out key. And I think the reality is that makes the whole increasing your accepted list a little bit longer. But I think it's about balancing your life. And for me, I find it really difficult to see him going totally hungry, not eating anything at dinner time. And I would rather allow him to eat a healthy apple, which is healthy, than see him really upset and distraught. So it's about getting that balance right with your family and working out what works for you and what you can implement. So I know that that isn't recommended by a lot of Um, feeding experts but I have decided that that is the way that we are going in our family and that's what works for us. So I've covered heaps and heaps in today's podcast. I hope if you have picky children and you're struggling with introducing new foods to children that this is helpful and reassuring and that you will get there. Um, What other resources do I have? So I have that sign-in, which is the system that I use, and it just goes over my system of how I present foods to my children and how I think about my day and my week. 
And it's a video which I think is about 40 minutes long. I don't expect you to have the same system as I do, but I just have it there as an implement so that you can see what I do and think about that it is easy to implement it when you think about it in a certain way. I have the Facebook group. You're welcome to come and join the Facebook group. It's um, facebook.com slash groups slash Dr. Alina. It's the Fit and Fabulous Facebook group, and I'm active in that group, and you're welcome to ask questions and chat and get support from other people there. I also have... um, programs that are paid programs, different ones. I have one called the Picky Eater Solution and I have one on feeding toddlers. I actually have a bundle at the moment which includes six of my products, which I'll leave a link to if anybody is interested. And at the moment, there is a special offer on that bundle for $150, I think it's in dollars. I get so confused with currencies. Okay, I hope that was useful. If you have any questions, feel free to email me and let me know. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina. If you enjoyed it, I would love it if you could share it with a friend. Every time you share a podcast episode with a friend, it helps me to reach and help more people. Remember, you're welcome to sign up for my family-friendly meal plan at drorlina, that's D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com, slash healthy dash family dash meal dash plan. Goodbye and have a fabulous week.